Uh, joining me live, alive and live in studio is uh, Cape Town-born comedian, award-nominated producer uh, and enter- all-round entertainer, I'm going to say, Mel Jones. Hello. Hello. It's a good to be here and in the midst of a very interesting conversation, especially considering that I had my son at the age of 23. Did you now? I did. And we have an incredible relationship. So I started my career a little bit later in comedy yeah. and I had my son a little earlier. So, so I your still haven't what? grown your up. Your son's the- like five now? My son's like 21 now because I'm 44. Lies. No. <laughs> truth. I only ever tell the truth mostly. <laughs> <laughs> so you had it 20. See, if, if I'd had a baby at 23, hmm, tough times. Yeah. I also, I think that I wanted a child at the age of 23. And I think it's all dependent on the person because different people mature at different ages. And Absolutely. I haven't still matured. So I figured I never was going to. I might as well have the kid now. Yeah. Get it out the way. <laughs> whereas, I'm, whereas I'm pushing 38 and I'm still not sure. Mm. Am oh. I? Would I? Could I? I ha- I did have. I'm, I've been a single mother yeah. for his entire life, and I I've enjoyed it because also knowing who his father was, oh, we didn't want that influence in his life anyway. So, <laughs> good thing I didn't marry that one or anyone after that. For that, <laughs> was it um, tough as a single mum? It's always tough as a single mum, as a mum in a relationship, yeah. as as a person who's married in, in a long-term relationship or living with someone. I think it's tough being a parent. People think that you just magically know what you have to do when you become a parent and you don't. Yeah. And I think people don't talk about it enough. People think that they have to be in it on their own and they don't ask their friends for advice. People generally don't ask for help yeah, because true. they think it's a sign of weakness. So if we just communicate a little bit more or, you know, I, my therapy is comedy, right. so I, yeah. so everything I deal with, I kind of find a funny spin on it, and I, I take it to the stage. So it, it it does help. It's cheaper than an actual therapist. I'm sure. Well, you get paid to do it. Yes, you get paid to to, to be my own therapist. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Smart. I have been wanting to have you in the studio for a very very long time. And there I was, just sitting at home waiting. Just for the waiting call. for the call. <laughs> yeah. Actually, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> And so here we are. And so here we are. Yay. This is so nice to have you in. And we, I was saying before we went on air, I only I tend to only have boys in. Uh, your compatriots. There are a lot more of them to have in, to be fair. There, there are, but sometimes, you know, enough. Yeah, I Enough know. boys. I know. Says all women all the time, <laughs> except when they're looking for a date. Where are the boys then? I ask myself. And the boys, to be fair. They're not in Cape Town. That's no, they're faux not. show. They <laughs> faux show. That was very gangster. Credit to your gangster stripes. Thank you. So, yes, where are they? The men? Yes, not in Cape Town. They're in Joburg. Are they, they in Joburg? Yeah. I think they may even be out of the country. They could be out of the country. Yeah. <laughs> I think they are. I think they've left. Yeah, I, I don't think they ever were here. <laughs> to be, fair. I think they left when I was maybe born. Mm. Yeah, or they were never here, or they pop in occasionally, and and I'm somewhere else doing something else when they are here because I keep slim missing them. Pickings, isn't it? Oh, isn't it? Just... As a straight woman in Cape Town, and it is. The slimmest of pickings. And as a straight smart woman in Cape Town. Oh, let's Because you're so intimidating. (laughs) Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay. (laughs) Let me tell you. About eight years ago, I was in London and I went on a date with a comedian. 
I've oh. had two disastrous dates with comedians. I went on a date with a comedian, and I sh- comedian. I shall name him. Uh, he's an Australian comedian called Jacques Barrett. This is the second time I've named and shamed him on this show. Oh, okay. Okay. So we go for a we go for a drink uh, in uh, in Covent Garden, uh, and I'm thinking it's all going tremendously well. Um, he's funny. I'm funny. Yeah. I'm smart. He's. Australian. We get, we get, he's available. He's available. Yeah. He's got a pulse. Um, we go our separate ways and agree to meet. And then he sends me a message about a day later and says, I'm intimidated by you. Oh, for goodness sake. And is that really the kind of guy you want to be hanging And I believe him. People have said to me, Are you sure? Maybe he just thought you were butt ugly. And I'm like, No. He, you're, but you're not. I'm not. And. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, but he genuinely. Who are your friends? He was intimidated. I know. To you. Yeah. Now I've cut them out. Okay. Um, and he's intimidated. I do get that a lot. What the hell is that? I do get that a lot, especially when you're in the public eye. Mm. And when I get on stage, you oh. know, I often. Me, women flock around the men. They're at the bar and they go, oh my, they are so funny. And yeah. they bat their eyelids yeah, yeah, and, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. and they, you know, lower their top so that you can see a little bit of cleavage mm. and they flirty, flirt, mm. flirty McFlirtison all over the place. <laughs> I'm standing there buying my own drinks, yeah. having men run in the opposite yeah. direction because they're absolutely, they, and a lot of them who do come and speak to them, to me, say, um, you know, don't use me in, in, in your next comedy a routine. Right. <laughs> you have to be a little more interesting. So yeah. <laughs> you can't just arrive and be, and then I'm going to make yeah. a joke of you. I mean, give me some substance. Something, at least. yeah, something to something work to with. work with. Yeah, they never do. So yeah, it is a little difficult. Um, but to be fair, do you want to be spending your time with men who find you intimidating? Not because in that, the least. That's that's an, a, a security or an insecurity issue, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And you are not there to solve their problems. Listen, I posted something on Twitter, on uh, on Facebook today, uh, controversially, which basically was along the lines of um, women are not rehabilitation centres for badly brought up men. Oh, this is true. This is, and then Hashtag all your ex boyfriends, all your ex boyfriends were like, "I don't know who you're talking yeah. about." You, yeah, you, literally, yeah, you, and your mother. Also, I found that every single man I've ever dated married the very next woman. So I'm, yeah, thank you. Thank you. can thank me for being your university and you graduated from Mull University. That is literally the story of my life. <laughs> a lot of single women who are a little more mature have the same story. We fixed them and they moved on. D- d- okay, tell me. We'll talk about comedy in a minute. Tell me, did you? <laughs> but first, therapy. Did you? Re- when that happened, did you take it? Did you take it personally and think it must be me because now they've gone off and they've got married, and and so I must be the disaster. At the time, I did. But then, I mean, in hindsight, no, it couldn't have been. It wasn't me. It wasn't my issue. And also, looking back on every single relationship that had failed. It wasn't my fault. And did I really want to be spending my time with someone like that? Someone who didn't see my value, who didn't see my worth, who didn't want to spend time with me the way I was and needed to fix whatever they had going on in their life before they could find their perfect woman, which means that I wasn't. I mean, I literally had a boyfriend say to me, I didn't say I didn't want to get married. I just don't want to marry you. So do you want to spend your life with someone like that? No.
you don't. You thought you had it bad. People just say, you're intimidating me. I'm just not good enough. But you know what? It happens so frequently. And also, I get to have material from it. Has anyone ever come back and said, I've heard that you're parading me around on the comedy circuit no because if they do we'll that'll end up on stage too oh, and amazing. then that way I, I also don't mention names right but if you want me to mention your name hey i can i can warren i can <laughs> <laughs> you know what so I'm, I'm i'm now right i'm writing i'm writing the second book and this one is going to be a lot more about about relationships and stuff and, I, and i've had people say are you going to name boyfriends because I didn't really in in the first book it wasn't really about them and, and whatever and they kind of got away with being called computer guy and and idiot number two um but this <laughs> but this time I and people have said well what are you going to do about this particular person or that particular person and I think we'll see yeah the, at the final hour before you go to print there's always a minute where you can go hold that yeah you could always say the names may have been changed yeah. to protect the innocent but if you're not innocent why do I need to why change your do name? I need to change your name Jacques Barrett. <laughs> Australian guy number three. Yeah. <laughs> Genuinely was also Australian. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Need to stay away from those Australians. Oh, I've, I've learnt my lesson. Let's talk about you. Oh, <laughs> please. Is that why we're here? That is why we're here. When did you realise you were funny enough to get paid for it? Um, when people started wanting to book me to have to do comedy also I worked countless jobs I was in retail I was in marketing I was in all of these things and every single time in every single job people told me you're wasting your time you're funny mm. go and do something with it and until I went to try out stand-up comedy I went to do an open mic spot I didn't even realize that this was what I wanted to do. I knew that I wanted to be in some form of entertainment. I just didn't know that it was this. Mm. And then when I found it, and it opened so many other doors, because, I mean, I got onto radio because of it, and I also have I've spoken to a few friends of mine recently. I want to do some collaborations with some women because I'm hugely into empowering women because I think that women... Women are so disenfranchised. We are the last bastion of sacrifice. I can't yeah. even yeah. understand why women devalue themselves and allow themselves to be devalued so much. Yeah. So that's why I want... Also, because I do it in a lighthearted, entertaining way. Mm. So you don't feel like you're being spoken at because a lot of people do that. They sat there and they just... They want to tell you how you can improve your life and mm -hmm. they don't give you practical skills. Mm. So I'm working on a few collaborations with a few people and that's what I want to do because of comedy. I've come to realize through comedy that mm. there's a huge need for this mm. Mm. and I'm, I'm loving every second of it. When you did that first stand-up show, and I, and I always say this, I say this to, to every comedian that's ever been in here, I feel like your job is one of the hardest in the world. It's not something I could ever, ever do. Um, I'm not, I can't stand rejection. So uh, <laughs> every relationship I've had has prepared me for this moment. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, boys. Thanks, You're Warren. welcome. <laughs> um, <laughs> But t tell me about that moment where you get up on stage and, and you, you do it because that I could never do it. And I think I'm pretty funny, but I'm not that funny. There's a difference, I think. And I think when you discover that it's relatable to an audience, mm. then it makes a difference. 
Also, public speaking is terrifying for most people. Mm. Just general public speaking. Now it's public speaking for you to be funny. Yeah. And also, we, we, we're all such broken people. So we stand on stage asking, I'm just a girl standing in front of an audience asking you to love me. And asking you not to heckle. <laughs> Please. Well, they can heckle, but I'm not going to be quiet about it. So I generally am not a malicious person. Sure. But if you're going to bring it, I'm not going to stand there and take it. I'm not a doormat and I'm not a footstool. And, you know, if you're going to open yourself up to it, then bring it on. I do think. Teach that- me, sensei. <laughs> It's also about being unapologetic about who you are. And I think that at this age, it's so much easier for me to know what I want, know what mm. I will tolerate, know what I won't tolerate, know what, I, what the deal breakers mm. are. So when I stand on stage and you're trying to be funny and, you know, you're wanting to, quote unquote, help the show, mm-hmm. it's a little more forgivable than if you want to, you trying to gun for someone yeah. and rip them apart. So the approach will be different. But I think that it's terrifying, regardless of how many times you've done it. It's still terrifying because every single audience is different. You never know what you're going to get. So Mm. we have a bunch of people sitting in an audience, people you don't know, people you've never met. Mm. And you want them to be able to relate to you in a way that makes us all happy by the time we're done. Mm. Mm. Um, So it is terrifying. But... It's also incredibly rewarding. I do love it because I I think of it from, from, yes, it's a little bit selfish and you want people to like you and you want people to enjoy your comedy, but you also want people to leave feeling better about whatever day they've had. Mm. It's a form of escapism. Mm. People come to a comedy show, to a ballet, to any theater production, to a movie. They, they use that hour, two hours to escape from reality and mm. you've unfortunately or fortunately you're a part of that yeah. so it's with with great power comes great responsibility sure. no man <laughs> in terms of and i want to find out about this heckling thing and i always ask about heckling because when i go to a comedy show and somebody heckles i have a breakdown I'm, I am somebody, I'm so codependent that I am, that I just, I want, I want to rescue everyone. I want oh. to plead with the heckler, please stop. This is so awful. I want to say to the, the comedian, we love you, even if they're not that funny, because it makes me so uncomfortable. Yeah. I think that some people have that kind of personality and they like to be the center of attention and it's okay. Yeah. Um, because, you know, some, sometimes you're the middle child or. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, or you're the only child and your parents work all the time and they just really don't have time for you. So mm. you have to understand that some people just have that kind of personality and mm. it's okay. Also, a lot of more experienced comedians can deal with it. They, mm. You don't really have to worry about it. And you, as as the comedian, as an MC, because I also do mm. a lot of mm. MCing, so it's kind of my job to make sure that the audience is comfortable and that the comedians are comfortable so I'm kind of I'm the facilitator Mm, mm. I do call myself a fun facilitator which in some circles is not a good thing I've heard so (laughs) I feel safe I feel safe in this space to talk about that since you had a discussion on oral sex. Very much so. So so I think this is safe. This is nothing. Yeah. (laughs) Safe word. Safe word. So, so we, we have these people who are looking for attention. Mm. And when you are in charge 
of a room full of people and comedians still have to come on stage, you have to take control. Mm. And if people are going to be out of control and some of them are really drunk, you have to be a little sterner with them and you have to be a little more forceful about them shushing. Mm. But if you do have someone who's just kind of, you know, trying their luck and you'll talk to them once and they'll go, okay, yes, sorry, I didn't realize that was the wrong thing to do. Mm. Because comedy audiences, audiences in South Africa aren't... As educated as they are in the UK or mm. in the States, because comedy is still in a new, new mm. Mm. in South Africa. It's not been going for for as long as it has mm. in other parts of the world. So we're still training the audience because you have either we have theater going mm. audiences who will be very conservative and they'll clap and applaud and smile mm. Mm. and not be really loud and laugh. Yeah. Or we have people who have no idea and they think they're just coming to a braai. And they can just shout things out in the middle of someone's sentence. So you kind of have to gauge who you're dealing with Mm. and you have to be very quick about it. And if people are quite persistent in wanting to get the attention, you have to shut them down in the harshest way. And you'll find that a lot of the time the audience is on your side because they also don't want that kind of disruption. They've paid their money. They want to see a show. They don't want to hear about some amateur who's trying out his antics because his wife really doesn't like him. So he's trying to get the attention (laughs) elsewhere. So... It's. It, I think it's all about. It depends on the situation. It mm. depends on the person, and it also depends on where you are. Because you know, some rooms have a pool table in the back, <laughs> people, yeah. and people are playing pool. They don't really want to watch the comedy. Yeah. They just they just want to come have a beer and, and hang out with their friends. Mm. Mm. So yeah, some situations are harder to control than others, but you know, you kind of find ways and means around this. Working as an MC, presumably, and, and obviously doing your own comedy, but you must see people come into the industry and leave. The, it can't be a particularly easy industry to be in. Do you, do you see people come in and then kind of go, oh, not, not for me, or the, or the industry decides not I for you? I think a lot of people come into the industry and they, it's not for them, but they stay anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you know who you are. So, um, <laughs> I mean that in the sweetest, love, most lovable mm. way. But the, it's it isn't an in, easy industry. Yeah. But you have to have you have to develop a thick skin, and there you have to make a lot of sacrifices to be able to do what you're doing. And there's got to be a lot of passion. You've got to love what you're doing because it is a labor of love. And you don't always have work yeah. in abundance. You know, sometimes you have to create your own things and sometimes you have to go, oh, you know, I don't know how this month is going to pan out. Mm-mm. So there are a lot of sort of, there are a lot of factors to consider when getting into this. But if you love making people laugh and you can make people laugh, the world kind of needs you, especially look around you. Mm. Society's lying down and getting trampled on and mm. you kind of need to uplift it a little bit then if laughter is your thing and if bringing laughter to the public is your thing we need you we need people to make us laugh because we know there are more than enough people making us cry out yeah. there Hello. The, yeah, yeah. Hmm. if it's not the relationships then it's the price of everything you know I'm just saying the price of eggs is making me sick to my stomach I can't understand. I know that at some stage there were the chicken things and the chickens weren't feeling well and then they were laying the eggs and then the eggs weren't feeling well. Mm. And then so then they raised the price of eggs because they were in huge demand because of the chickens are better. (laughs) Why have we not? The 
the chickens went to see a doctor. Yeah. Every, they took their meds. They're in recovery. <laughs> they're out of hospital. Why are we still paying that amount no, of money? It's, for It's criminal. It is criminal. It's criminal. And so we won't even stop. You know what? Why don't we strike and we just don't eat? But eggs are so nice. Eggs are so, and I, also I'm banting. Oh, are you? Oh, no. I, I could, but I'd like a potato. I Listen, I love a potato. A potato. Is I, a, yeah. <laughs> I've never, I never have one. one. <laughs> Ever in my life. You no, know, never. I love potatoes. Yeah, yeah. If I could live the rest of my life eating just potatoes, I'd be happy. What type of potato? How would you have it cooked? Why would it, why would it discriminate? No, <laughs> we have to. Okay. Well, no, I can't. I, in any way, shape or form, baked potatoes, roast potatoes, potato oh, salad, no, suddenly, yeah. dauphinois, anything. Rosties, anything. You've missed out the classic, which is unfortunate. A mash. Mashed potatoes. Of course. A little bit of butter, a little bit of cream. Creme fraiche if you must. Hello. <laughs> it's sure. A bit of creme fraiche. Yes. I don't mind if I do, actually. Yes. I know, but you're banting, so. So it's basically eggs. Sometimes I wake up in the night and I'm not sure if it's me or the dog. Oh. <laughs> Or memories of the eggs that's <laughs> clouding up the room. <laughs> that odour. Who are you finding funny currently? Me. In life. <laughs> yeah, me. I am bloody hilarious. You had to spend a day with me. Here's the thing. I love going to watch comedy. Right. I love, love, love. But the problem is that when you're sucked into that world, mm. you almost become a little desensitized to it. So I do love comedy, but I hang out with the guys all the time. So watching them on stage is the same as having a conversation with them. Is it though? Because I'll tell you one thing, and I'm not naming names. We've had a couple of people um, in, in studio and on the phone who are not funny. Um, and not, oh. and not only, and that's fine. I'm, my thing isn't mm. as a comedian, you have to be constantly funny, but even just being personable is, uh, yeah. is a bonus. A personality would be having nice. a personality, <laughs> would be having nice. a personality <laughs> would be phenomenal. Well, and I'm thinking specifically of one person. I think I know. Do you? In, we will talk <laughs> later. Turn that microphone Turn that yeah. off. So, yes, I think the ones that don't have a personality I generally don't hang out with anyway mm. I find that if I'm gonna hang out with you I'm 44 years old I can choose my friends now I who don't do you hang mom. out with I hang out with Carl Weber and Dalen Oliver and I hang out with Kurt Skunrad I hang out with Stuart Taylor mm. I hang out with Rob Van Feeren he's hilarious he is so funny and he's also and so such lovely. a nice person oh he's such a nice person. If you could just sit still for five minutes. Oh, I adore him, and not just because he's got a copy of my book. I, oh. uh, yeah. <laughs> Throw that out there. Now, he is such a funny, nice, lovely human. Yeah. And I also hang out with a lot of uh, my son, who's done a few open mic spots. <gasps> oh, hello. I know. He, we were at the armchair last night, and he did some comedy for the coldest room. They were just not, yeah, we had some Germans in the front, some Dutch at the back. We had some Americans. We had a Kiwi. It was a very international room. And Kiwis I don't are foresee- generally quite funny. 
Yeah, it was one guy, and sure. I think that, yeah, That's one guy <laughs> yeah, to carry the room. Yeah. Mm. So we had there were some chicks from Joburg. They were loving it. They were having a mm. great time. I think they were just happy to be out of the fog. Is and he quite smog. hotty, your son? People say he looks like me, so I'm going to go with yes. Yeah. <laughs> there was one chick. Granted, she was probably a little drunk. Who said, "Oh, are you guys twins?" Because we've got. The, I mean, he was quite offended. Was he? He thought he looked quite old. What's his name? His name's Austin. Austin. I, yes. That's a Austin. good name. It is a good name. Yeah. He's named after a friend of my mom. My mom kept talking about this friend she grew up with, and he was such a lovely person, and he, you know, he always cared so much for everybody else. And I thought that's a really nice. He was strong and dependable, and I thought that's the kind of person I want my child to be. So I gave him that name, and. He's getting there. It's working out. He's getting there. <laughs> he's yeah. getting there. He's yeah. twenty-one. I can't have too many expectations just yet. No, fair enough. He's got. Yeah, he's got to mess it up a little bit first. Eek! Uh, I just want to read a couple of the <laughs> the messages that we've had. I've just decided there's nothing better than listening to two women with great personalities giggling at this time of the morning. Thank you, girls. Well, you're more than welcome. Yeah. I think is the response. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Roasted potato. Can I marry you? First of all, is one comment. Roasted potato with honey in the middle. Oh, I haven't tried that. I have not tried that. How do you get the honey in the middle? Inject it. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) I'm guessing. Otherwise, let's all go over to that person's house and they can show us how to make it. Who are you? Send us your address. No, no, no. No, no, no. We will be there at three. First of all, we find out who it is and why. And then, and then together we go as a team armed. Yes. With some, with some male friends who have weapons. Just with in Carl case. Weber and Dalen Oliver. Yes. Actually. Oh, no. <laughs> what are we we'll, saying? We'll probably protect them. Um, what are you doing currently? I know that you were in, you were meant to be in Durbanville the other night, but something happened. I was meant to be in Durbanville. There was supposed to be a comedy show happening in Durbanville, but then there were flood warnings. Sure. And then I thought, this is what happens in the middle of a drought. Uh, flood warnings. Well done, Cape Town. You're so indecisive. So the show was cancelled. Um, and then we obviously didn't do it. So at the moment, I'm busy with a lot of things behind the scenes. I'm busy oh. working on a one-woman show, which is going to happen in August. Yes. I've been threatening to do it for a very, very long time. It's going to happen two days before Women's Day. And I just thought, you know, why not? Yeah. Why not celebrate being a woman and being, spending time with women and talk about women's issues mm. and talk about whatever I'm going through? Because I'm sure there are a million other women who are doing I'm the definitely same thing. going through it. Whatever you're going through, I'm going through it right now. I, I can't believe how many women relate to that kind of thing, whether it be relationships or whether it be something about getting older, whether it be expectations about being a single woman who's this age or whether it be, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there are so many things and you know, be, Just maybe Maybe I've seen miserable women In relationships and I'm kind of A little more cautious about so who true. I want to spend My time with So yeah and I'm very excited about that And I'm also like I said before We're working on a bit of collaborations mm. Because I, I know a very good friend of mine Her name is Bronwyn and she's a laughter coach And I love spending time with she's her She's a who? She's a laughter coach What is that? She understands the science of laughter and the effects that it has on your body and stress levels, et cetera, et cetera. So she understands. So we, we all get, we both get the same result, but we have different approaches, which I thought was really cool. If we, if the two of us were to collaborate on 
doing a show or... We need to get Bronwyn in here, stat. <laughs> I'll give you her number. No, seriously. She's probably sleeping. She's... Get up, Bronwyn. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I'm going to be working with her on that, working with another woman who's German, and she's in... She, was an actor she performs on stage and she mm. also did comedy a long long time ago working with her well I haven't speak, spoken to her in a long time but trying to get a show together where we showcase up and coming talent because it's not celebrated enough and they don't have enough platforms to work and, and also um, performance with a message mm. you know so you can be enjoying it and then when you leave you go hey I didn't realize that that was what they were trying to say so mm. Mm. you know and it's all about having a good time but also learning something in the interim Nice. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, a question just flashed into my mind then. I'm, I'm, here's what I'm realising is that I, um, I like you. Ah, I like you too. And, um, and, that, and I sometimes forget when I do like a person, I forget that we're on air. Oh. Um, and so suddenly I, a, a question's going through my head and, I, and I, it's gone. Um, which normally would be dreadful, but I feel like it's okay. If you are just joining us, by the way, at 24 minutes to one, uh, comedian Mel Jones is in studio with us, live, live and alive. Yes, and wide awake. I didn't realise we were talking about half an hour. I know. This is what I'm saying. Huh? This is what I'm saying. I didn't even need coffee or anything. How how are you at, at late nights? Presumably you are... I'm nocturnal. Yeah. I'm nocturnal. Yeah. I'm terrible at early mornings. Oh. Which is weird because I was on the morning show on radio for a long time. But I think that's what I also... But don't you feel that... Could you ever go back to that? No. Never? No. Mm-mm. Bad idea. You know, it was great while it lasted, but mm-mm. I don't like early mornings. I'm I... not good at it. People underestimate the horror of an early morning show. People underestimate the horror of being awake in the early hours of the morning, never mind doing a show, being in traffic, being around people, being just outside of your bed. Did you ever have that thing when you were on, the, on, a, on a breakfast show where you would then, you'd finish the show and get home and think, what's just happened in the last three hours of my life? <laughs> All the time. <laughs> what happened in the last 10 years of no, my life? Just no, no actual ability to take memory or it's just gone the last three Big hours blur. has gone so, a blur yeah what have i said have i been offensive did i swear uh probably wasn't offensive i'm delightful <laughs> are you do, do people ever say about you um she's not she's offensive but she's forthright do you get that thing do you ever get kind of angry black woman all, all the time yeah I think because people find everything offensive these days, it's so easy to offend. So easy to offend. You can't say the wrong word in the wrong tone. And so people are easily offended. But it's usually the same people who say, oh, you know what? I love honesty. (laughs) Until it happens to them. That's so true. And I'm a huge fan of honesty as well. So I tend to want to tell people how I feel if they ask for it. If they don't, I'll keep it to myself. Mm. I also don't like talking behind people's backs. So mm. I'd rather tell you to your face than to talk. You, If people say, you know what Mel said, chances are you've heard it already from me. Yeah. Because I don't like to, to be two-faced. So I'd rather tell you or keep it to myself. I won't be talking about you behind your back. But people generally like honesty. Yeah. Until they're presented with it. So true. And it's too harsh. Can't handle it. Because you have to be nice. 
people are so caught up on being polite mm. that no one is being too honest. I mean, sometimes I can be brutally honest. I, I do get that. But it's just part of my nature. It is. Who I, and also, you know what? I am not for everybody. I'm not for everybody. How freeing is that realization? <laughs> yes. I literally Absolutely. thought this this week. Um, when I opened my cupboard and saw Marmite there, and I thought, and you know Marmite has that whole thing, you either love it or you yes. hate it, and I thought, that's me. People yeah. either love me or they hate me, and I'm so okay with the fact that people I'm hate an me. olive. Mm. I'm an olive. I hate olives. Do you? I'm not an olive to you. No, I'm to Marmite. Me, you to are Marmite. You. Yeah, to me but you I'm are mashed olive. potato. But yeah. <laughs> you are. Yeah. So b- people expect to want everybody to like yeah. them. Not possible. No, no. you're going to break yourself. You are literally going to walk around feeling so depressed because the one person you're not going to get to like you is you, because you're yeah. trying to be everybody else's something and nothing for you. Oh, so exhausting. I wish I could go back to my 20-year-old self and say, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Eat that cake. Uh, it just doesn't matter. It doesn't yeah. matter what people think of you. And when you get to nearly 40, you'll have an epiphany and go, oh, yeah. Yeah. And feel great. I'm okay that I'm not for everybody. Yeah. Because there's no universally appealing human being. You can't do that. You're going to struggle I don't know. I'm thinking of the Canadian Prime Minister. (laughs) Maybe he's just an unhappy person who likes... Maybe he's a middle child. Just wants to get liked. He seems like somebody that everybody likes. Generally generally Canadians are... They try... They're so... You know, I'm I'm really upset. It's probably the harshest thing they say to anybody at any given time. But, you know, yeah. It's just... Also, I've realized that so many people growing up wanted, had expectations for me and wanted certain mm. things for me. And I spent so much time listening to all of those things that everybody wanted. And I tried to give them what they wanted. Mm. And I didn't even realize that I had a voice mm. that was talking to me. And I was completely ignoring that voice, not giving myself what I needed. Mm. So I think that's probably where I am now. I'm on that journey of trying to, it's the journey of self-discovery as cliche as it is, but I do want to figure out what it is that I want Mm. and try and give it to myself more often because you can't, a very good friend of mine said, you can't pour from an empty cup. And I know that that's a quote from someone. I can't quite figure out who it is. You can't pour from an empty cup. And the more you Mm. fulfill yourself and your own desires, the more you can give Mm. to other people. Because you have an emotional bank account and a spiritual bank account. Mm. And if people keep withdrawing and it's <sighs> empty, then Warren. you're going to go, <laughs> go into an overdraft that you just... No one needs to emotionally overdraft themselves. Sure. Yeah. It's profound, eh? No, seriously. <laughs> Too much. That is no, a- not enough comedy involved. <laughs> Said she was a comedian. Yeah. Say something funny. Tell us a joke. You can't emotionally overdraft yourself. (laughs) Lol. 
Just add lol to everything. Don't people do that? On social media, yeah, lol. lol. Just add lol to everything. You can be as offensive as you like. Yeah. Just add lol, lol. to it. <laughs> You're so ugly. Yeah. Lol. No. No. That's rude. You're rude. I'm going to unfriend you. <laughs> no. Speaking of friending, if I add you on Facebook, will you accept me? Absolutely. Highlight of my life. Really? Wow. <laughs> to get out more. <laughs> Not my life. I'm being frantically waved at by two gentlemen who say enough. I never get waved at by two gentlemen at the same time. You say enough. It's <laughs> happening uh, at 17 minutes to Mel Jones. Lovely to have you in. It's lovely to have been here.